Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, on the occasion of the upcoming Columbus Open Studio and Stage, I sat down with organizer and artist Stephanie Rond to talk about this opportunity to see behind the curtain of local artists and how they work. We also talk about our experience organizing events like this and the life cycle of artist groups. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, Featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com, the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Stephanie Rond. Stephanie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Stephanie's an artist. We'll link in the show notes to Stephanie's past interview with us where she talked a lot about her work and her work as a street artist and her work with the Carnegie Gallery at the main library. I'm sure we'll get into uh, what I, in my own head, refer to as her micro gallery, (laughs) S-Dot Gallery, uh, which is in her home, which you can find online. Uh, We're here today on the occasion of the upcoming uh, Columbus Open Studio and Stage. Um, Stephanie, tell us how Columbus Open Studio and Stage got started and what it is. Sure. Okay. Um, Well, Columbus Open Studio and Stage actually started as Columbus Open Studio. Mm -hmm. Uh, About 11 years ago, my husband and I were thinking of relocating to Portland. Okay. And uh, they had a tour there. And so when I was researching, you know, the art scene there, I thought, wow, this is this is brilliant. Um, So I kind of put the seat in my pocket and we decided to stay in Columbus. And so it's been there for about, you know, 10 years. Um, and then I was lucky enough to meet three amazing colleagues, Amy Libran, Kathy Bell Smith, and Lisa McLimit. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about putting together a open studio concept for Columbus. Um, we thought that we would give it like a trial run okay. in a collective that we were uh, steers of called Creative Arts of Women, or CAW. Uh-huh. Um, and there didn't seem to be as much enthusiasm as we had hoped. And so we figured, well, maybe this is bigger than us. Maybe we're ready for the big leagues. Maybe we can do this citywide. Um, So we approached the Greater Columbus Arts Council to see if they would be interested in being our partners. Mm -hmm. Um, And through the Art Makes Columbus campaign, they funded... They funded the event, which then became Columbus Open Studio and Stage. So they added the stage component, which was brilliant because other cities don't do that. And so that's an opportunity to include the performing arts, but specifically the opportunity, frankly, for people to see backstage. 
to look at, you know, a scene shop, to look at a costume shop, to look at a lot of people have never seen a fly system, the thing, you know, that makes the scenery come in and out. Oh, is that what that's called? It's called called the fly system. Sweet. (laughs) So you had been organizing it for the first two years. Sort of talk about what it's grown to include the stage. Talk about what the feedback you've gotten, what sort of people have experienced. It's just over the course of... One One, day? One weekend. It's one weekend, Mm -hmm. okay. It's one weekend. Um, So right from the start when we partnered with the Greater Columbus Arts Council, then we became a team of six. Okay. um, The four of us, and we ran the artist component of it, and then the GCAC ran the stage component, and then together we ran the marketing for the event. The thing that we wanted to do, uh, the four of us specifically were interested in doing, is a lot of times people think – that um, artists and creatives are kind of these magical unicorns. And we wanted to show that, you know, we all work nine to five, possibly 12, 14 hour days even to make the work. And that it's not really a magical thing. It's a lot of hard work. Um, So the idea behind opening artist studios and making it more educational rather than, you know, showing off artwork like you would at an exhibit, Mm -hmm. but showing their actual process would help the conversation between artist and art appreciator. Well, and you're making a financial argument to an extent, or let's let's call it a labor argument, that uh, I think a lot of times people look at a piece of art, or I think a lot about people who solicit free photography for events, yeah. uh, because they don't realize the amount. It's like, oh, that guy's got a camera. It's no, he's put years and years of training in. There's post-production work that you have to do with a more what I think of as a more traditional visual artist, someone who's uh, painting or drawing or sculpting. There's a lot of work that goes into it. There's um, first of all the training. There's you know planning out a piece. There's maintaining a space. We talked in our last podcast about how planful you have to be about when you work, how you work blocking out your your time Mm -hmm. and so i imagine getting people to to see those studios sort of gives them an idea or a better idea at least that these hours put in yes there's a talent there but there's also a skill and uh there's hours of work and labor and this person should be frankly fairly compensated for their time exactly yeah quick side note it's important to point out that one of gc i feel one of gcac's core points that they work from is they're if you sort of work with them to get an artist to do something that artist is going to get paid exactly even if that's an artist that's coming in and talking at a panel discussion mm-hmm. that artist is going to get an honorarium for for their time because that's important to them i agree and i try to do that in anything i organize even is you know i don't want to ask an artist to do anything for free because i know it that feels like right um, so yeah because well, you almost feel obligated too right it's hard to say no especially right. when it's coming from you know somebody that may be a colleague but mm-hmm. also a dear dear friend so I don't want to put my colleagues in a situation where they feel like they can't right. say no well an exposure doesn't pay the bills exactly right? yeah and usually you know to that point of how much time it takes when people say well how much time did it take you to make this painting I say my whole life, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I encourage all creatives to say that and educate on why it's taken me my whole life to get to, you know, right August 20th, 2018 or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Hmm. 
And before we go any further, what's the what are the dates for Columbus Open Studio and Stage? The tour weekend is September 29th and 30th, and we are open from 11 to 5 at all locations. Gotcha. And so talk about so it's citywide. These mm-hmm. are the it's not like people are relocating their studios or anything. No, no. Uh, what are some of the studios that people can check out? So I think one of the exciting things about Columbus Open Studio and Stage is these uh, almost all of these are home studios. So okay. not only are you getting an opportunity in most cases to see where they work, but to see where they live as well. Okay. Um, so we do have a couple of returning artists, but we also have some new artists that I'm pretty excited about. And it's the one thing that makes me sad about not being able to go on the tour instead of be on the tour. Because you're hosting this year at your home. Exactly. Yes, I'm hosting. Um, So talk about, can you talk about some of those artists specifically? Yeah, so I would say um, uh, Brian Christopher Moss is Mm -hmm. one that I would, you know, love to go visit. Maybe he'll invite me for a sneak peek. (laughs) Uh, Hanahara would be another good studio to visit. Um, And then April Tsunami is my girl, so I got to shout out to her. Absolutely. (laughs) And are any of the, uh, like, is 400 West Rich have, like, multiple studios open? So if you want to, like, yeah, you can go and do the tour, but also if you want, I don't know, more of a communal experience, but, like, check some boxes off the list at the same time, are there more places other than... 400? Um, well, 400's not on this year. So a lot okay. of the feedback that we got from tour goers, as well as the artists, um, was that they were more interested in the in the home studios. Okay. Um, so the GCAC decided this year to pick one large studio. So the studio this this year is Brickbox Studios in Grandview. Okay, great. Um, and the map is created in a way of areas so that you can, you know, kind of plan, oh, you know, this day I'm going to go north and mm-hmm. east, and this day I'm going to go south west and so it's the map is well planned to help you you know navigate the cool studios well and given the number of artists it's probably it's it's possible but probably not feasible for folks to go and experience every single one right <laughs> well it's the, that much the first year we did it we had 26 artists and tom katzenmeyer made it to every single one okay. which was very impressive um the second year we had 50 artists okay and more of the feedback that we got was that was just too many because people did want to try to get to as many as possible. So okay. um, this year, the GCAC paired it back to 31 artists. Gotcha. So the idea isn't to try to go to every single studio, but I guess it could be done if you're Tom. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's Tom's shout out for the episode. Hey, Tom. <laughs> and so you, uh, in your capacity as the curator and director of the Carnegie Gallery mm-hmm. at the main library, You've actually put up sort of a, we'll call it a preview exhibition of works. Is every artist represented there? Yes, all but three. Okay. Um, So you can go and check out the exhibition at the main library to sort of get a taste of, which seems to be a pretty good sampling of the artists of Columbus. I mean, varying, we'll say, levels of professional development Mm -hmm. to different mediums to check out. That'll be up almost the entire month of September ahead of Columbus Open Studio. Correct. Yes, it will be up the month ahead of time so that people can come and, you know, really look at the artwork and make decisions as to who they're interested in visiting on the tour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Now, sort of talk about, we talked a lot when we spoke last time about sort of how you work as an artist about blocking out time about um sort of uh basically assigning priorities to things i want to talk given that 
your capacity for uh, your capacity as an organizer, founding organizer of Columbus Open Studio and Stage. I want to talk about basically working with other people and sort of how that process has gone. I know that I work within a couple of different groups, plan some events, and there are a lot of opinions <laughs> about sort of how that stuff goes. Let's talk about Columbus Open Studio and Stage specifically. You guys sort of, you guys kept it to that core group, that core group of six. Yes, you, we did. You organizers and then the two uh, the two folks from GCAC. Correct. Can you talk about just generally some of your, some frustrations that maybe or maybe not we talked about before we got uh, <laughs> got behind these microphones? I know, so what I've experienced in the past is you get a core group of folks together and then you sort of, there's this we'll call it curation by committee mm -hmm. that you then have to present like, Hey, we're going to do this thing or Hey, this thing is literally next week. And the committee says, well, why aren't you doing this? Or why, why isn't this aspect of it happening? Right. Um, and it's not like you folks have been designed, you know, it's not like you folks have been planning and organizing in a vacuum, but it seems like a lot of people then come out of the woodwork to bring up things that are nice to have. Right. How do you, have you found a good way to address that? <laughs> well, you know, I just um, ordered new business cards yesterday for Columbus Open Studio and Stage, and okay. I was very tempted to put um, Cat Herder uh -huh. as one of my titles. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably the best way I can explain the experience I've had um, organizing things or being part of things being organized mm -hmm. is... Um, you know, every cat is different and every cat wants to go a different way. And, and no cat is bad. And no, no right. cat is bad. I mean, they they have their natural instincts, right? right. And so, um, but you as an organizer have to figure out how to work with all those cats, but at the same time, get all the things accomplished that need to be done. Right. So let's talk about it actually, yeah, in that reverse way when you're trying to organize, you know, a herd of cats whether that be a, a group of artists or um a music festival or something like that making sure one everybody's just on the same page everybody sort of knows what the bare minimum expectation is hey yes you're going to be opening up your house that means that you need to be physically present uh you don't necessarily have to offer snacks right. or do they have to offer snacks no they don't have okay, to, no. to <laughs> um and sort of how do you sort of man this isn't about managing expectations but managing frustrations for yourself and like hey if you, it's like a teacher who puts out a syllabus at the beginning of a quarter and you get a question three weeks in about something that's already in the syllabus right yeah so how how do you arm yourself is it simply like okay here's all the frequently asked questions please read this before contacting me or, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you can do that. Or I is also, it getting everybody in the same room? I yeah. I think a lot of it is making sure that you're managing expectations. Okay. Uh, super shout out to Amy Libran, one of the organizers of the tour at mm -hmm. the beginning. She uh, introduced me to the uh, beauty of Gantt charts. Oh yeah. Um, and you know she's an Excel master. And you know what we did was we laid out timelines for every single little thing we could think of and mm -hmm. then held each other accountable for those things yeah and it was and i in my experience with gantt charts at at least the the big and complicated ones there's like the top level that's like this is what has to happen nothing goes forward 
if you're not familiar with Gantt charts, I'll link them in the notes, but I'm not getting into the... This, the They're also color-coded. And, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not getting into how they work. Basically, here are things happening on a timeline, but this thing is dependent on this thing or maybe not dependent on this thing. Um, and then below that, if it's a complicated one, are the things that should happen, and then there's the things that would be nice to happen. Right. And some things are dependent on other, others and others aren't. And so you sort of like you're able to triage as you go in order to prevent things. Exactly. Um, but specifically, how did you communicate with the artist though, specifically from like solicit, was there an open application period? Um, there was. A little so, bit of hand-to-hand -hand yeah. outreach of like, yes. hey, you should really do this. You have a home studio. Yes, yes. Okay. There, Yeah, there was, a, there was an application process um, and then we um, juried it. And sometimes it's based on location too because we want to make sure that we're, we were representing, you know, the entire city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a Clintonville tour. Oh, no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> I mean, come to Clintonville because that's where I am. But, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, as far as communicating with the artists, uh, we just made sure that, you know, that was Kathy Bellsmith. She did a lot of communications with the artists along okay. with myself. And it's just a matter of staying in contact with them, uh, making sure that they have everything they need. Hey, we're two Friendly reminders, out. exactly. Right. Those friendly pokes of, hey, Which this is coming up. Which you're right now. Now. Yes, yes, yeah. we are. Yep. And so, what are the expectations of the artist? Just for the folks that are on the tour, like, yes, the artist will be there and available, and hopefully, you have the opportunity to speak with them if it's not super busy at that time. Some of their art will be up. What other expectations do you set for them? Um, most definitely, you will be able to talk to the artists. We found that uh, a busy studio would be four to five people at one time. And so mm -hmm. the artists are expecting that um, and knowing that they need to kind of get to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really about educating. So okay. if you come on the tour and go to the studio portion or the stage portion, somebody's going to be uh, demystifying what it is to be a creative for you. Okay. And so it's much more like these are the tools of my trade. This is, you know, I work in oil, so these are, you know. Exactly. This, this is where I mix things. Or if it's a photographer who happens to have a dark room, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yes. Like, and so in my case, since I'm a stencil artist, mm -hmm. then I will lay out, you know, the tiers of how I make my stencils and how, how they're cut and how they're sprayed and all of that fun business. Okay. So it is much more, it is a sort of process oriented tour is what, is what people can see and what, and again, demystifying what it is that they're doing. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. So the original occurrence of Columbus Open Studio and Stage was through Creative Arts of Women at first, or was it intended to be? It was intended to be, but there wasn't much enthusiasm, so we went big okay. and did the whole city. Got it. Yeah. You expanded beyond. Yes. Um, I want to get into that a little bit. Uh, April Tsunami, one of our recent artist guests, uh, talked a lot about, first of all, the importance of groups, um, how they sort of provide you a community for feedback but also opportunities to exhibit shows and also sort of empowering and the fact of saying like you can do this and mm -hmm. you can be a working artist in this city um what was interesting to me about her is i think a lot of um and creative arts of women as well a lot of these groups sort of ebb and flow and sometimes don't exist anymore um either because just folks lost interest or I just I want to talk a little bit about besides GCAC which is you know a publicly funded institution so right. it's not going away anytime soon right it seems like these groups 
And especially if you study our history too, right? Like these groups are of their time. Right. Because there's a need for it. Right. Absolutely. Um, Talk about sort of how you think, and I don't know if you can address this, sort of how those groups form and what the, the, the life cycle of an artist group, basically. Like there's a need for it. A couple of people get together and they're like, you know, we should all get together and have coffee. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's such a productive conversation. Don't let me put words into your mouth that then they, they're like, okay, well we want to invite, you know, somebody says, I want to invite a couple additional artists to this, or I know somebody that can help us with this. Let's have them talk to us. Right. Um, how did, in your experience, talk about the life cycle of an artist group like that? Well, um, Call was founded by myself and Helma Groot. Okay. Um, and that came from a need. Honestly, I was starting out professionally in my career, and okay. I uh, sort of uh, sabotaged Helma Groot into being my mentor. Okay. Um, but I also knew, we also knew that there was a need for a group for women artists to talk professionally um, without feeling um, over overridden by um, other voices. Um, so we decided that the group would be an open group, so anyone who identified as female could could join the group. Okay. Um, and so we invited 12 women to okay. my living room, and we you know, started to have these discussions and said, you know, this is an open group. Invite. So we went from 12 to 32 to 56 to, I believe oh. we had 110 uh, 10 years later when we decided to disband. So there was an active decision to disband. There was, okay. yeah, because we felt like the group was so large that uh-huh. it was losing that personal mentor-mentee. Okay, as because that was one of the goals, in yeah. addition to not, we can just say it, not men controlling the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... What did you, I mean, is there an encouragement then to like splinter off? That's what we're hoping is that, you know, we hope that the women will take what they've, they've learned from what became a steering committee, like uh, two years later after inception, we needed 12 women to run this organization. Okay. Um, But what we're hoping is, you know, that smaller groups can form and get more of the personal attention that they, they are looking for. Well, And that was the original intention of the group. Is there... Do you regret that 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 that's the way it went? Do you regret that you didn't? Obviously, you want anybody who wants to participate to be able to, mm-hmm. but it must. But the group doesn't exist anymore simply because it got too big to handle. Is there a regret there? Is that does it feel like that's the not, that that's a success and that and so. How do you feel about it, I guess? Yeah, I, I mean, I personally um, find it was successful, but mm-hmm. I like the way that you framed it earlier by saying, you know, every organization that's a, well, in this case, a grassroots organization has right. has a, a lifetime. But then, you know, those those ideas, those seeds get planted somewhere else and it becomes a different grassroots organization. So, right, but I guess to be more pointed about it do you regret not tampering its growth and not say sort of saying like okay we're going to be confined to 40 people yeah and if there it's basically like when you do a i'm enrolling my daughter in soccer right now and so they're like okay once we get to this many kids that's when we split into two teams Mm -hmm. and that's what we should have done (laughs) 
So no, I I understand your question though. I think um, no, I don't think any of us regret um, not keeping it open because uh-huh. clearly there was there was a real need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are challenges that come with. Uh, you know, a volunteer, all-run volunteer organization trying to get other people to volunteer. Um, and, and, and that always contribute. didn't happen. You know, right. there was, there was uh, things that we relied on to happen that didn't happen. And so that did make our jobs harder. Yeah. And I, so I do work with a couple of different volunteer organizations. And one specifically, it's like, you know, you, you, it's super hard to get it off the ground the first year mm-hmm. and it's, you know, moderately successful and you get everybody invested and, you know, you lose a couple of folks and you try and do it the second year and you're, and it is so easy to say we need more help. Right. And so you solicit more help with people that don't necessarily have the institutional knowledge of the things that happened the first year. And you don't want to say that's a bad idea, but you want to be able to say, Hey, we tried that. Right. Um, if you can make it work, please make it work. And I think a lot of times, you know, everybody wants to feel like they're the member of a group and right. also feel like they're contributing, but mm-hmm. they sometimes don't um, have the capacity to provide productive help and contributions. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll go back to the example of Columbus Open Studio and Stage. You kept it to, you know, a small core group. Mm-hmm. You guys are holding each other accountable mm-hmm. um, in order to keep it going. And you actually had the forethought to, I don't think we've mentioned it up to this point, it's handed over to GCAC now. Yes, yes, they, it is. They are actually, that organization is running it. And again, there's no risk of that organization going away anytime soon. Right. Um. The other thing that I've experienced, and again, I don't want this to be all about me and my organizational structure philosophy, is here's here's an idea. Why didn't you do this? And right. it's like, well, because we didn't, and we right. don't have time to do that now unless you'd like to do it. Right. Well, yeah. and I think that's one of the things I, I love talking about organizational structures. And mm-hmm. I mean, but I think that's one of the challenges also of being in creative fields um, is that in in that my, well, these are my friends. These colleagues are also my friends. So I right. have very um, different relationships that need to be balanced between are you being held accountable and am I being held accountable and, you know, how are you doing? Right. You know, those are two well, very being different. Able to sort of say, like, it, it's it's super hard to exist in an environment where everybody's a chief. Exactly. Right. And it's like, and you want folks to feel agency and feel control over what they're doing, but there's gotta, it's all, it's gotta go up somehow where someone says, Hey, you should talk to, you need to be talking to this person because what you're doing is affecting their work or, Hey, you're stepping on this other person's toes. You, You may not be, you, you may not even be aware that you're doing that, but this person is handling social media or this person is this person's already doing graphic design for this event um and And that's what we did in in columbus open studio and stage everybody knew what their role was and they had very you know lisa was graphic design and um you know i wrote agendas and kept us on topic and tried to keep the meetings to the hour that we promised Mm -hmm. and you know everybody had their role Mm -hmm. um, and they had the power to make decisions because when you're working on an event that large decisions 
need to just be made. Right. Um, and then when you're open to feedback. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, again, <laughs> this is the third time now someone <laughs> coming to you at the 11th hour and saying, Hey, why don't we have a, um, I don't know what a good example is. Uh, why don't, why don't we have a virtual reality component to this event? Yeah. And it's like, well, cause no one has the capacity to do that. And do you know how to do, do you that? know how to do Can you do That's it? That's a really yeah, good yeah, idea. Yeah. But you know, everybody wants the shiny new thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's tough sometimes. Well, and I think also with large events like this, or even like I just finished a mural with Nick Stahl mm -hmm. um, and him and I, you know, we're both perfectionists. And I think we probably could have worked on that mural for the next two years. Like, oh, this isn't perfect. There also has to come a point where it's like, okay, this is the this is the deadline. This, this is, is what you we have, did. Yeah, this is what we did, and and we need to be proud of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why events are. are <laughs> that's why I prefer to work on events because I know they're going to be done. <laughs> you know the deadline. They're, they're going to happen, and they're you know it's going to be great. It's, yeah, everything's just going to be done. At that and then point. You, and then you get to you know have a week off, and then you're right back at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> planning the next year. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite organizer. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.